John and I, how long have we been married? It's like 30-some, seven no. years or so. No. 14, uh, 14 years. Is it 14? Yeah. It's like 1998. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. He always remembers. So it's one of those, um, Valentine's Day's one of those really, you know, amazingly annoying if you're not married. Older people like us that are married, like we go out to dinner, we buy the clothing, we get the flowers, we get the candy too. We're really silly when it comes to it, but we, we like it that way. We're really yeah, soppy. And, and guys, you can really do that 360 days a year. No one's stopping you from buying flowers and clothing and, and candy. Yeah. yeah. Did you say old? Did you say old people? No. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. I don't think I said that. Did you say someone else said that? <clears throat> so we're gonna tag team this. So I'm gonna go first. <clears throat> He's such a gentleman and said I get to go first, which most of you know me. They're like, like he had a choice. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. So when John and I, <laughs> I was going to tell him um, just briefly about when we were dating. And um, John didn't realize it, but he was actually prophesying over our relationship. And he said, honey, we are going to have the most incredible relationship. People are going to write stories books. about our love. It was books, books it? Right, books about that. our our marriage about our love life and I was like yeah they are <laughs> I love you but he used to say that all the time so so what he was doing little did I know is at the time is that he was actually speaking those words out over our marriage and we have such a great marriage we're best friends and um and we really are excited to see each other every day all the time for 14 years. True. And, I mean, a lot of people can tell you that. They're like, oh, my gosh, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so annoying. Um, all right, so I'm going to kick this thing off. So let's talk about God first and his plan for marriage. So the first human relationship was, was a marriage, Right? And God called them helpmates. So he gave them, he gave Eve to Adam because she was number five. You got the, you know, father, son, Holy Spirit, Adam, and then he perfected it and brought around number five, which is grace, by the way, number of grace. So, yeah, Eve, there was Eve on the scene, and it was not good for a man to be alone. Single men, I am telling you, it is not good for anybody for you to be alone. Men need to be married. <laughs> and all your friends can tell you that, so pick one. <laughs> we could do that. Boys on the side, girls on the other. We yeah, can no. pick one for you if you don't pick one for no, yourself. No, we've already been instructed not to do that. Oh, the okay. leadership said, this is what you can and can't do. Yeah. Okay. All right, so um, really the Lord um, developed and designed marriage so that we can help our mates achieve the fullness of love and the fullness of their destiny. I love what Mike Bickle said years ago. He said, you are called to give your mate wings and not weights. Yeah. And so we live by that. You know, our, our goal is to have 
an exceptional life in Christ and an exceptional love in our marriage. And so it doesn't come um, naturally. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It, It takes some work, but it really is worth it. The labor is a labor of love, and um, we're going to get into that. In fact, it's your turn. Oh, I get to go? Yeah. Yeah, I, you know. Do you need glasses? There was a, no, I think I can read this. There was a um, time, here, I think I have some of those little glasses. She bought me like six pairs of these, these little tiny ones. But um, I was driving my car one day, and there was this old school preacher that was preaching. I love to listen to those old guys, and, and um he started talking about marriage, and he's like, whoa, is that ever some work? Yeah, you know, uh, marriage is good, but oh, my gosh, you know, we boy, we've been through it. And he just kept on and on. I'm like, I'm depressed. Who would want to be married after listening to this guy? He made it sound so horrible. You know, it's like, hey, you got to hang in there, man. I mean, every day's a trial. It's just a go to the cross, you know, go to the cross again, you know. And I'm like... Holy smoke. So I don't believe it has to be that way. Our marriage isn't like that. I actually uh, am excited when I see my wife. I, she, uh, my wife does one thing that I, I haven't told you this. One thing that I, uh, that's really endearing to me is that every time she sees me coming, she, she stops what she's doing literally and goes, oh, you're home. She does. Now, you guys are around us all the time. Doesn't she do that? And there's just, that's just that one little thing. If that's the only thing you did, it'd be pretty good. <laughs> so anyway, the little things really, you know, after 14 years, the little things really matter. And um, that's one of the things I like, love about my wife. So let's talk about God's plan for marriage. So, and some of you, I see around the room, uh, we've done your premarital counseling. Now you're a couple. You got babies on the way. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> It worked. And it's all, it's all uh, under God's covering, and I love that. I love that. So many here, we've had an opportunity to share that really special time of your lives with you. But um, how, what's God's plan? God's plan is that the two, in a Christian marriage, the two come together as one, and there's a three-stranded cord that's not easily broken. So ultimately what we do is we wrap around the Lord in a Christian marriage, and he's, I mean, he, we make covenant with God and with one another. Yeah. And it's really cool when you do that because, you know, the Lord is always um, preeminent, right? The, Lord's, the Lord knows best. He's the one that we need to always lean on. So that when we're really literally wrapped around him, no matter what comes, and a lot of things come in life, you know that, whether you're married or not. But when things come, when storms come and all that, you really can hold on to the Lord. And he, the way that thing is, it's almost like I see it like a spiral just wrapped around him. Yeah. And it's hard to get blown off of that when you have the Lord and your mate to help you. Um, what else do I want to talk about? Let's see. You know, in Christian marriage today, and I've shared this a few times there, you know, it's so, it's just so, there's so much out there trying to get you to, see the faults in your loved ones or, or in your mate or, or to turn away from that. The enemy wants to separate you. You know that, right? I mean, he's constantly just trying to drive that wedge and push you away. But um, really, it's better not to focus so much on him. I would say, um, you know, the, it's good to focus, focus more on the adventure of it all. 
you know, the adventure of doing life with somebody that you love, sharing those moments with them, um, encouraging one another, because you're not always going to be up every single day. I mean, there's times when you need to be picked up a little bit. And uh, so marriage is learning how to do that with one another. For example, I didn't know for a long time when my wife was having a hard time and she began to pour her heart out, even in tears sometimes, I did what I'm supposed to do. I began to fix her right away. And, um, you know, well, that's easy. What you need to do is tell her to get lost and then straighten that out and then we'll do that. And, you know, just start telling her how to fix her life. And she's like, I just wanted to hug. I didn't. I'm like, what? What good's a hug? Let's get this thing behind us. Come on, let's fix it. But you learn that, you know, we're different. Somebody wrote a book about Venus and Mars. It's not even a Christian book. But, man, did that guy know marriage, you know? It was just, we're different. And uh, so we had to learn to, to um, communicate when we come together as one. The Lord says we become one flesh. So let me ask you, what good would it do? Let's just say we're one over here before we come together. All right, I'm one flesh, right? What good would it do for me to hit this side of my body in the head with a hammer all day long? No good, no good at all. And so if we're one flesh, what good would it do for me to treat my wife like that? Right? Because that hurts every time I hit her. It hurts me and it hurts her. So we, we try not to hit each other like that. And um, yeah, I think that works better. What's this? Oh, so God wants us to stay together. And so we're like, well, you don't know what he did, and I can't. No, I don't. But I, I will say that uh, in a Christian marriage, really, divorce should not be uh, ever talked about. It shouldn't be an option. It's one of those things that default, well, I'll just, you know, never say that word. I really believe it's better not to ever say it, not to ever go there on that one. Um, just leave that one out. If you do, I mean, if you have, so be it. But I think it's better not to go that far. Yeah, jump in. Um, really, a covenantal relationship is the first part of God's plan for marriage. And the second is that we would all come to the fullness of love. And so he brings us into marriage with that objective. How, uh, how many of you here are married? Right. Being married, isn't it interesting how God uses marriage to kind of file down all of our rough edges? You know how you think you're really cool, and then you get married, and then you're like, oh, hmm. <laughs> I'm not really as great as I thought. Anyway, really, uh, at the, and, and it's a wrestling match a lot of times trying to, 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 to bring each other. And, and it's, not, it's not labor, but it, it's, it's what love is all about. And we hit rough patches, and, it, and the rough patches are the places where you grow the most in love because you have the greatest opportunity to hate. Yeah. You can't hate someone unless you love them. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Right? Someone is not going to drive you crazy unless you really love them. Yeah. So you, you are presented with an opportunity to do that. And what you do is you overcome and choose love. And then you grow in love through that experience. Thank you, honey. It's even better, right? Yes. 
I got a craftsman tool kit right out there in my garage. <laughs> we can just fix that right By up. the way, this, uh, John's, okay, I'm just going to say it the way I say it. John, our foreplay is acts of service, and he does my dishes, and he gets out his toolbox and fixes things around my house. And I'm just like, <clears throat> I love you so much We're right out now. two vacuum sweepers last year alone, and it's still going. No. <laughs> Yeah, so he fixes things. All right, I just made everybody in the room really uncomfortable. I told you we're going to talk about everything. I mean, we danced. How many of you were uncomfortable during the dancing? And now we're going to talk real. Let's talk about the different kinds of love. Okay, well, that's not good, but that's not on the list yet. Well, I thought it was right there after uh, this is still under John's turn, right here, right? All right, let me show this one more time. This is John's section right here, and this is Tracy's. One, two. <laughs> All right, point made. Okay, different kinds of love. Oh, you've got my glasses. I've got yours. All right, this is what happens when you turn 50. Okay, you want to start with the agape? Okay, I just this said it. This is the different kinds of love, right? Yeah. Oh, we're up to that. It's my turn again. <laughs> um, you know I'm kidding, right? Yeah. Right. Um, not really. Uh, the different <laughs> kinds of love. Agape love is the kind of love that Father God gives. And that's the kind that no matter what. I mean, it's the no matter what love. You, you can't, he's, no matter what you do, no matter what happens, he always loves you and he never quits. That's a really good kind of love, don't you think? So we talk about that one a lot when we're doing, um, uh, like we're doing weddings and that type of stuff. I've gotten an opportunity to preach a few weddings and, and see that's a wonderful part of uh, what we do. And um, it's God's love for us. And that type of agape love means going selfless and being able to just pour out your love uh, for the benefit of, of your all the ones around you, and, and specifically for your mate. Anything you want to say on the agape love? And then um, another kind of love is um, the phileo love, and that's a brotherly love. And, and now I've heard for years, you know, well, your love will change over the years. My mother used to always say that your love changes. You know, when you first meet, then, you know, you're just like, oh, my gosh, you know. Eros love. You, yeah, a lot of that going on. And, um, and then as time goes along, but... Love does change, but you really have some of all of it uh, the whole time. And uh, it doesn't have to be where you lose that original kind of love. You can have that forever. We're 14 years, and, you know, I still get excited when I see my wife. I still think she's beautiful in every way. And um, the thing is, uh, no matter, I don't know if anybody else thinks so or not, but I can tell you that as you get older, you're not as beautiful. Uh, your skin wrinkles and all that. You get the gray hair or whatever. But um, if you, there's something wonderful that you never lose that your, your wife is always going to be beautiful to you. Isn't that something? It's just the way God made that deal. But let's look, um, this, the second one is that friendship where you just enjoy each other. Now, Tracy and I fell in love by running together. We were both runners at, uh, when we met, and we used to go exercise together. I'm more of a walker. Well, you ran quite a bit then. And, uh, <laughs> and um, so, 
so we would go running uh, together and all that. We would leave our dates to, to come home early so we could go exercise together, go run together, go hang out together, because we're just friends, right? And um, so we really- Our kids really, introduced us. Yeah, we really enjoyed that friendship. And then I'm gonna go on to the third, the eros or the, the, um, you know, the marriage type love, physical attraction type love. And you know, people ask me all the time, they say, well, do you need that? Uh, you know, you know this. I want this person or that person. To me, you do. I really believe that's a real important part. Uh, Chemistry. And this, I don't know where it says that in the Word of God. I'm just. This is from experience. I really believe that it's important to uh, just feel, have those feelings um, for passion. the person. Yeah, the passion. Uh, we do a lot of marriage counseling, and and sometimes we'll say, uh, you know, we'll be talking couple couple and she's like well I just knew it was wrong from the start and I just kind of got into it and I couldn't get out and I just went ahead with it but I never really had any feelings like that and we're like well that should be a warning to you I'm not saying perfect I'm not saying look for the perfect person forever and they're going to complete your life that's not right you're going to want to you need to want to kiss them a lot yeah you if you don't think they're hot if you're not embarrassing people around you then (laughs) move on down the road I'm just saying Right? Okay. Married couples, young marriage, right? Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. We have a separate room for them. <laughs> okay. okay, now, is this meat still? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, what are the priorities in life? I would tell you that God is always first. Obviously, you're in a church, but I'm, whether you're in a church or, you know, or not, the, if you put the Lord first, then think about it. It makes sense, doesn't it? That wrapped around the Lord, if the Lord is always first, then there's always hope for the marriage, right? And, and so we have to say, well, I know, but this or that. No, if the Lord is truly first and we're submitted to the Lord, we're in covenant with the Lord, so we, and we believe in the Lord, we have faith in the Lord for all of, in all of his ways. So really, you've pretty much got the thing made right there if we put the Lord first, and that means all of us, not one of us, both of us, right? I'm going long on that part. And then, um, and that's all Help I've mate. got to say right about there. that part right there. Did you see there. that? And, see me uh, helping? So we're moving on past that point to uh, the law of pursuit. And um, I had this, I had this, uh, I have this rather long, no, it's not. I have this little, uh, little thing that I was telling somebody one, one day and it kind of caught on, but had a little group of, of young people and we were talking about pursuit and, and I said that, you know, we, uh, men are hunters, aren't we guys? Come on. And I told them, I said, you know, men don't hunt cows. John, why is that? Because cows just stand out there. I mean, there's no, there's no chase to it. They're just out in the field. If you want to go get one, you just walk up to it and say, hey, cow. Because they don't run. They don't hide. They don't do anything. You just walk up and shoot it. So men hunt pheasants. Why? They're fast. They're wily. They hide. They, you can't quite get your hands on them. I mean, they're, it's, there's a challenge to it. We're hunters, girls. All right, well, let's talk to the guys for a minute. Let's talk about that art of pursuit, right? I mean, guys, come on, pull it out. Get the book out. Learn how to pursue a woman. I mean, we're in the South, good grief. 
I mean, everybody should be dating, right? I mean, Southern men know how to treat a woman, and they know how to date. And so it's very simple, elementary principles. If you like her, pull her hair, you know? I mean, go back to elementary school if you can't figure it out. John... Somebody tweet that, would you? John, when I met John, I walked in the door, and I remember I was picking up Ashley from his house, and he looked at me like a Cheshire cat. And he had his hands in his pocket, and he was rocking and smiling and looking at me, and I was like, you're scaring me. So ladies, gentlemen, boys, by the time I got home, literally my phone was ringing when I walked in the door. And he was asking me out. He was just like, you're, you're just so cute. I want to, I want to, he doesn't even know me, you know? And I was like, no, I don't want to go out with you. He asked me to the Super Bowl, and I was like, no, I don't want to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> so anyway, so we decided to be friends, but that did not quit him from pursuing. I said, no, we're just going to be friends. And he said, okay. And I mean, he was at my house every day, like a shadow. I was like, wow, you're such a good friend friend. <laughs> it's not a bad way uh, to start a relationship, right guys? Become friends first. And, uh, but you know, friend relationships that drag on for year after year, come on. That, now, nah, guys, the only time you should have an extended friend relationship like that is if you're really trying to like eventually get the girl right I mean why not if not move on across the street date someone else Uh, but you really just want to give her an opportunity to do the same thing because you know you're saying oh no I'm not going to get married yeah and girls by the way that whole years of friendlationship if he's hanging around that long and he hasn't made a move you need to do the DTR as soon as possible that DTR define the relationship oh my gosh that's what that was We had that. I'm we learning. Had we had that. All right. What else? Um, what's that? Okay. God first, your mate second, your children third, your career fourth, and then everything else. Oh, we are doing law of pursuit. Okay. Um, no, I think that I'm glad you brought up the rest of that there under John because that was the part I was supposed to make sure that I got. Yeah, I was I helping all you those. Help me. Everybody good with that, with that order? In other words, when you're making decisions... Sometimes you might have to prioritize your mate over your job or your mate over your child. Oh, not over my child. Yeah, yeah. For the child to have a good life, then, the, the, then God needs to be first. You and your mate have to be strong in order to raise good children, right? Yeah. You can't be in a marriage with your children. Right. I've seen that. doesn't work. messes your kids up. And frankly, you can't be in a job without your family. I mean, you. so if you put your job first, which I did for many years, then you get divorced, which I did for many years. That's the way that works. So you need to get your priorities straight. Then you can measure your life to that as you go along. And, yeah, it it helps. Okay, next. Oh, uh, next is law of possession. And that, that means that once you become one, then everything you own, she owns or he owns. Everything. <laughs> or she owns. 
right? So get a rich one, guys. That's the best deal you'll ever hear from me. I'm kidding. But not really. I mean, a pretty, you know, pretty rich one works just as well. I mean, somebody's got to marry those girls, too, you know? You got any money, honey? No. Oh. I, I had a job. Yeah, you quit that within a year, didn't you? I know, I did. Yeah. Anyways, uh, now what that means is... I was is, so happy! <laughs> I'm going to work. I'm so happy. I'm so in love, honey. Yeah. <laughs> so what we're talking about there is really, as far as possessions are concerned, you re- it's not really this is mine and that's yours or this is all mine and I'll let you dole it out or whatever. No, when it comes to your, your uh, possessions and that type of thing, everybody owns all of it. And so, you know, you really have to communicate about money and about how to use that or your possessions and, and what your goals are. You really need to pray those through, right? But the law of possession also applies to your heart. Because when you get married, I don't know, I, I, we know a lot of new brides, and a lot of them cry the first year. Because the law of possession kicks in a lot of times, and they've held their hearts back, and they've, they've had walls around their hearts. And so God's breaking in through the love of their husbands, and they're really having to give up the independence, you know, a lot of fear. Sometimes it's pride. That, that they're wrestling with. Sometimes it's a rebellious spirit. And so a lot of that begins to come out through that law of possession because you now belong to one another and you're no longer just your own. And so that's really God getting that out of us so that we can become his bride. Sometimes you'll hear people say things like, um, well, I just want to be free. I don't want to be married. I, I, I just want to be free. I don't want to be in a relationship. I just want to be free. But uh, what I realized uh, when Tracy and I were dating, that was me, by the way. I said, I'm never marrying again. I'm not very good at it. And um, I realized, though, one day, and this was the, like the breaker. This is when I asked her. The day I realized this, I, I asked her to get married. But uh, I realized that freedom is the right to choose. It's a kingdom principle. I didn't know at the time. You know, we didn't talk about all this stuff. I wasn't, you know, in a body that talks about this every Sunday like we do. But I figured out freedom is the right to choose. Freedom is just not locking my heart down and saying I never want to get married again. Or I'm, I'm saying no to you can't, you can't hurt me again or I'm not going to be hurt again. And so it's that law of possession. John owns, own, he owns my heart. I've given myself to him body, soul, and spirit. And he's given himself to me in the same way. And so there's a law of possession. And so having thinking that you can have something off of your own and that's going to give you freedom in that area is actually, it's bondage. Because, having, because whatever happens to John happens to me and whatever yeah. happens to me happens to John. And it's the principle of two can put 10,000 to flight. God sent out, uh, Jesus sent the disciples out in twos because you're strengthened as one. And you can never leave that as one uh, behind. Exactly. Um, let's do the law of purity. And uh, the Lord said, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. The law of purity, um, that means we're not to hide from one another. We're not to hide anything from one another. And... Um, 
you know, that could be in the natural, obviously, when we're in a, um, you know, a relationship with the Lord in the middle of it. And what I think on this one, I just want to hit this for a minute on, on the, on the nakedness in the natural, um, the, the world has tried to really taint that, really distort that um, the purity of a covenantal relationship and in, in being naked together. And that's not right. Uh, in fact, if you think about the images we see of, of the Eros love or of, of the, just that purity thing, um, the, the world is, is um, you know, making everything nasty or dirty, or it's uh, something to be ashamed of. They try to attach shame to you, and that's totally off. There's, there should be no shame whatsoever. Yeah, there should be total to that exposure. Part of your relationship, right? Right, and and that goes with um, emotional, spiritual, and physical. So, and it also is about purity, uh, the law of purity in our communications, okay. um, the law of purity, and having good manners. You don't lose your manners. You 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 still you know t- treat your spouse and your mate, you know, honoring them and, and having good manners around them. Meaning guys, you got to be clean. Okay. You don't give that up just because the dating is over, which PS, the dating never ends. You right. always date your wife. But anyway, so, so just, um, connecting at the heart and not the head purity in your communication where, John and I communicate, and even when we disagree and we argue, it's, it's, we can't have the mindset that I'm going to win, you know, or that I'm going to be right, and I'm going to prove to you that I'm right, but really just seeking to have understanding mm. that you can grow an understanding of where the other person's coming from because her life experience or his life experience has brought a lot to bear, and a lot of times when there's a disagreement, there's something to be learned for everybody in the, in the discussion. Mm-hmm. So just coming at that from a different perspective, not a perspective of I'm right and you're wrong, but a perspective of I really want to know you more. I'll put it this way. We, we made a decision early on uh, that we would fight fair, Tracy and I. So we wouldn't, go, we wouldn't go past what the truth is just to try to win the argument. I don't know if you've ever, if you can relate to what I'm saying, but... I know what that's like. I've done that before, where even though I know she's right, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to just continue to persist and try to win the argument by twisting it. And uh, those, are, those are really tough. If you're not honest with one another in the relationship, those are really tough ways to work things out is to, you know, you're, you're right and you've got it. And then 30 minutes later, you're like, I don't even know what just happened. But some way they twisted that around to where it was my fault. Or you know what I'm saying? So we fight fair, even if, uh, you know, I know if I'm wrong, I don't like saying it, but I have to say because I have to fight fair, you know what, will you forgive me? Because I was wrong. I I really was. And I'm really upset that I, you know, you won't see it my way, but that you're really right about that. And even when you're, even, you know, when he's wrong, and, uh, or whatever, whenever there's a discussion, I just, you know, I'm, I'm the, I say, will you forgive me? It doesn't matter because I, I want to, I want to honor and I want to bless my husband. And so it doesn't matter whether I'm right or wrong. What matters is that he feels that from me and that I'm doing what God has told me to do. She should feel loved after a discussion like that. 
She has to. If she feels safe, then she's going to bloom. She's going to open up. If she doesn't feel safe, she's going to close in. And then you get the hammer out again, you know? <laughs> All right. Communication. Communication. Okay. So one of the things that John and I found to be a little bit challenging when we got married is the Lord began to call me into ministry. Well, actually, I got saved um, after we got married. I mean, I was going to church, but I wasn't saved. I thought I was saved, but then, okay. Anyway, so the Lord called me. I, you know, began to have all of these experiences, and so I'm functioning as a prophet, right? Right. And John is very pastoral, you know? So he has, you know, a real pastoral heart. And so the way that we relate, we have to understand how we're made so that we can understand how we relate, right? So you've got an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, and an evangelist. We really struggled to see how we would fit together because the thing about having a wife that's a prophet and highly prophetic is that she sees things way down the road. And so she's like, this is the way to go. And he's like, I don't think so. I'm the head of this house. And so there gets, you see where that, that you could have a, an incident, right? Well, so he read this book. I really encourage you to read it. It's, called, it's uh, Danny's Silk book called Culture of Honor. And he goes and he describes the characteristics of everybody with these different, um, with these different offices, spiritual gifts, right? Yeah. And, and so it was like, oh, my gosh, there I am. That's why I act the way I do, and that's why we relate the way we do. Because, uh, uh, because the, the apostolic and the prophetic is a heavenly thing. It's a heavenly offices. And then you've got the pastor, the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist that are earthly. And, and er, er, both of them are needed, but it just helped us to understand each other a lot better because I was always out front, and he was always frustrated. You know? But then over time... Yeah, it's interesting because if you, it, it makes you just think through it all. I mean, when you come together, you really uh, one of uh, a good discussion to have is what is to look at your your mate's gifts and see how the Lord's done it. But what we we had, I mean, lots of discussions over this. That's why it's so important not to just say, "Well, I'm the head of the household, and that's final." Because think about it: if you're a pastor more of a teacher-pastor, and you live in the end times, you're missing what's going on in heaven to bring that to earth. Are you with me, folks? So what I, what I could have done is said, no, no, the pastor-teacher. But you know what? I really need what's going on in heaven so I know what to pastor and how to teach, right? So... So what happens is, even though the man's the head of the wife for, you know, all kinds of, we're going to talk about that. It's not like it sounds, in, you know, in, it's not like a lot, of, what a lot of guys think, right? But even though that's true, let's look at how that has to function in the ministry, how that has to function in real life. If you don't hear from heaven, or if your wife hears very clearly from heaven, you better cherish her. Her, the words she hears might save thousands, millions. It might be the, the very thing that breaks, uh, you know, uh, bondage or, or helps someone get healed. 
it, it's a direction of your life. So when my wife would say something like, the Lord told me to, I'm like, end of discussion. End of discussion. If the Lord told you to do this, this is what we're doing. But there were some times, like in major things, when I'd say, okay, but the Lord, I need the Lord to tell me to do that too. I didn't say, no, we're not doing that. I said, I need the Lord to tell me to do that, and he will. Yeah. Does that help? Yeah, and it was, um, and it took some time to work this out because it, when we, this all started, we didn't have, um, there, were, there were no couples who were both in ministry where you had a woman who was prophetic and strong, and, and so there were no examples out there. You know, the woman was behind the scenes, and she, you know, a lot of times, and so she has a women's ministry, and, and God called us to function in a different way. So we had to work that out in a godly way and, and, and submit ourselves to the Lord so that we could learn and grow and prosper. And it was just so great, and it took some time for the, so that I could have a history of how to, you know, so John could trust the history of the prophetic that I was saying. And so he was like, yeah, you know what? That's right. And so now we just, we really flow well together. And I don't get out from under, but, and I, I just submit it to, to John, you know, and to, um, to all of us. So anyway, and the thing is, is we felt like for years that only, I mean, that really half the team's on the field, right guys. I mean, the women, think about it. What if the women were functioning in their complete gift? I mean, if there was, if we didn't have the the bars and the walls, uh, what if what if the women could really be free in the church to be everything that God called them to be? Y'all agree? It's not like that right now, right? That there that the women are many of the women are sidelined in the church, even though they're really have, in, in most cases, I heard a pastor say this one time. He said, the, the church is run by women. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, the church is typically run by women because they, most of the, the people that we have coming during the day and praying and involved in everything, they're women. The men are usually out making a living. I'm, I'm not saying this is stereotyping. I get it, but I'm going to make the statement anyway. But the women are there praying, seeking the things of the Lord, they're, they're involved, so involved in the ministry. Now, what if we could work it out where the women could come into the fullness of all that God called them to be? And we believe they're supposed to be on the front lines too. But, our, but as the head of the household, they're not going to be able to rise up into everything that they need to be unless we, their husbands, cover them. Unless we, their husbands, help to raise them up and, and, and give them a safe covering so that they can operate in the fullness does that yeah. make sense? And that brings me to um, really talking about our, our roles as wives. <clears throat> because the Bible tells us to submit to your husbands. And we live in a Babylonian culture, you know, where, um, you know, we a lot women in any other place other than the church has a lot of freedom, right? So what does it mean to submit to your husband? What does that mean? And, and because a lot of us see that as, as like prison, Right? It's like, submit? What, what are you talking about? I remember I was a working woman. I had a career supporting myself and my family. And I'm telling you, when, I, when the Lord told me to submit to my husband, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where is this in the Bible? Well, then he showed me, and I was like. <laughs> so, submit. 
right? Like, God will get you. Submission is not, um, you know, my way or the highway. Submission is there's an order and there's a covering. And really what it is is selflessness. If you're going to cover someone, that means you, you take the bullet first, right, guys? Yeah. And so you've got to, so you, you know, some, it's not what it sounds like on the surface. You go deeper, you know, it's not really as good as news as you thought it was. And that was, <laughs> no, I'm teasing The Greek that. word for submit means a voluntary attitude in giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. The two most important issues that face a couple are husbands love your wife, mean di- yeah. dying to your own desires to love her, <clears throat> and wives submit to your husbands by giving them genuine honor and respect. So when defining the role of a wife, think of honor. If wives operate by the principle of honor, she will be walking in the submission that God intends and blesses. And in our culture, like I said, we think it's prison to submit, but actually submission is receiving a covering of protection so that we can flourish and fully grow into everything that God has created us to grow into. Now, it's past that. It's a kingdom principle for even operating in the church. Did you know if you don't submit, if we don't submit to our authority, which we have a board, we have others, if we don't submit to our authority and our spiritual covering, did you know that we're left out there like a like an orphan? We're we could, we're easy pickings for the enemy. Yeah. So the, God has established authority in the earth. It's like as an well. umbrella. And uh, once you understand authority, you want to get under it as quickly as possible, and submit to it, and for yeah. your own protection. Believe me, folks, you do. So it's like that in marriage, and it's also like that in the church. God called Adam husband, and that word means champion or servant. Um, submission was never meant to imply inferiority. God's just assigning roles, and um, so, I mean, right. that's, that's my role is to tuck up under John, and there have been times when, um, you know, being very strong and be, seeing everything black and white and being prophetic, and John will say, no, this is what I think we should do, and I will get out from under his covering, and I'll do what I want to do, and I've done that. I did that only twice, and I learned my lesson because he was right. He, even though he's pastoral, his, though that his pastor, teacher, or his primary uh, gifts, I'm telling you, he, he is the covering. And, and ladies, we have got to stay up under that place of safety. Because you, you get in a lot of pain when you don't do that. When wives honor their husbands, they fulfill his deepest marital need. Likewise, Wives can damage them the most by dishonoring them. Honor should be given regardless of how much he deserves honor. I've had this discussion with many wives who were saying, well, you don't know what he's done, blah, 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 blah. And it doesn't matter. God didn't command us to to honor the good husbands. He is saying honor will actually create life and allow your husband to grow into everything that I've created him to be. So 
what I, how I honor John is I speak whether we disagree or we don't or whether he has a failure or whether he falls or whatever happens. What I've done is, is I've tried to create a culture of honor with my lips. And so I don't say anything when I'm seeing all that stuff. Because, I mean, come on, we see each other's stuff, right? If you're married, you see the stuff. But what I do is I don't make a list of everything that is wrong with him because what will happen is the enemy will come in and start criticizing my husband to me. And, well, John's this or John's that or what it, and, and I just break agreement with those words, and I say, no, wait, John is this. And I begin to make the other list. Yeah. And it's the list of love, and it's the lift, list of, of prophetic words and, and destiny. And I begin to declare those, even though this other voice is so loud. And the minute I do it, it silences that other voice. This whole idea of I'm going to, if I just give my husband some constructive criticism, well, that's just, that's not of the Lord. Giving, bringing, or, or, or sharing wisdom in love is one thing. Sharing wisdom in love. Even when you're in the middle of an argument, you're sharing in love. You're, you're bringing love. But I'm telling you, ladies, this whole thing about nagging and manipulation and trying to control a situation with your words or whatever, I'm telling you, that is not of the Lord. And it will tear down your marriage and it will, it will destroy your husband. And then the very thing, you know, as a lot of women that have operated in that manipulation and control, they've absolutely demasculated their men, and then they have to live with them, and they complain about how they see them as weak. Right? I would give you an example. Um, the, a couple we counseled for, for a while. They, um, they didn't realize it, but the, but the woman was real strong, and, and over time she would, she would continue to push the agenda, and the guy was like, you know, whatever. But over time, she, she got out from under her husband's covering, and instead of trusting him for the things the man was to bring, she began to take on the man's role. And, wow, when you meet him, you're just like, oh, wow, this thing's out of order. This house is out of order. And so uh, we were able to work with them and, and you know, share over time and, and try to put that thing back together because... I've seen a, a many a man rise when he has a good reputation to live up to. You know? When someone's telling him, this is who you are, this is who I see you as, he'll stand a little taller, sit a little higher in the saddle when he's been told that. Right? But when he's been told, you know, no, this you're not getting this done, you're not getting this done, it's that chipping away that he normally shrink back and then find counterfeits in the computer screen or elsewhere, right? Because a man's got to get that need met somewhere, and so his wife is just like the source of pain for him. So he's looking for that uh, to get that need met. Yeah, okay. and um, yeah, right. What, John? One of the things that you know, I was I was thinking about that. anyway. One of the things that John and I do is John is a really good listener. And he hears what I say. Women have to be heard. Women, we have a voice, and we really want not just you to listen to us, but women like to, we need to be heard. It's an internal need. I want to share my heart with you. I want to share my life with you. I want to share my dreams with you. I want to share the prophecies with you. And, and it just, um, and so that 
having a husband that really listens and deeply cares about the song that you carry in your heart makes all the difference in the world. Um, Goes back to seeing her as part of you. Right. So why wouldn't I care so about we, what she cares about, right? Yeah, we should be each other's greatest fan and, and sharing all aspects of our lives, our worship, our prayer, our children. And this is the thing. We share everything. We share all the household duties. We share in finances. I mean, he does the dishes. I do the laundry. I'll cook. You know, he'll, you know, it's like, oh, I need help doing this or whatever. I mean, he's right on it. I mean, it's, it's not like, oh, this is your job because you're the woman. But, we, but we, we're helpmates. We're partners. And so we partner in everything. Yeah, we're not really big on assigned roles around our house. You all know us. A lot of you lived around us a lot. But um, if the dishes are dirty, then they got to be washed, right? So it's not like, well, I did them on Thursday night two weeks ago, and then you were off that one time. So that's... It's just like, no, I mean, just clean the dishes. What's the big deal, right? We Acts of service, them. guys, right? Yeah, I'm really glad God made me that way. Because, um, again, that's a high value for her. And, um, you know, a man just wants to be honored. If the man's honored in his home, he wants to come home. I mean, it's a good thing. So that's what we're getting back to. Let's move on because um, I want to get to question and answer. So it's my turn. Oh, by the way, fill out your cards. Are y'all still with us? Are we still good? We're going to need to. Okay, one more thing. We're going to talk to, um, I just spoke to wives, and I'm going to talk to, uh, John's going to talk to the husbands briefly. I will for, I think we ought to wrap it up, though, and get to questions. That's, well, we can't just tell them the, everything. The love. Let's just do the love. Love. Love your right. wife. Do y'all care anything about love? I mean, you want to, anybody? It's Valentine's. Let's do the love thing. Okay, oh, pass your some. questions to the end of the aisle, and they're going to pick them up. By the way, if you're single, this applies to you. Don't think, oh, I'm not married, so this doesn't count. No, I'm telling you, John went to a marriage seminar when he was still telling me I'm not getting married. I went, why'd you go to that seminar? It worked, guys. See, you got to come up with a few things that just throw them off. They're like, why was he doing that? You know, just keep them guessing the whole time. Pheasant, you know, you hide in there, you wait. She's going to come up, the shot's made, and you got the, wo- the woman. Here we go. Okay, so uh, I wanted uh, to talk a little bit more about just our, our personal walk. I had a lot of walls up. Um, if you failed at something a couple times, you know, I don't know if you've ever been. How many have been in a fight in here? Ah, we got some, yeah, this is Texas. So if you get punched in the nose a few times, you tend to be a little more cautious. It just hurts a lot, doesn't it? And um, so that's the way I felt. I was a little beat up. And so when it came to loving, I had love to give, but I didn't want to go to that final step, which was the commitment and, um, and make that commitment. And so again, it was walls around my heart. Now you guys know me and a lot of the sermons that I preach are all about getting your walls down, right? It's all about becoming vulnerable and having, becoming alive because if, you're, if you have those walls around your heart, you're not fully alive. There's no possibility of getting hurt because you don't go there. You're just num-num-bill, you know. You're just like, all right, I'm just going here from point A to point B. You've got to let your heart open up again. You've got to let your heart take a chance. You've got to let your heart go for it. 
And uh, so anyway, that's one of the things that I really uh, learned was to get those walls down, at least some. And I'm still doing that. After all these years, I'm still working on that. And you wanted to talk about, um, what's that? Headship? Oh, okay. So uh, anyway, the headship or, uh, is protection or guardianship. I think we kind of hit that one uh, about the, you know, we don't want you to misunderstand that the passages about the men uh, being the, the overseer. And so I'll, I'll say that again, that headship is laying your life down because the Lord laid his down. He told us how to love. He is love. He said, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Well, Christ died for the church. Christ was willing to put it all on a cross for the church. That means go to the cross, you know, and, and, and so if we're really willing to do that, guys, let me tell you a perfect marriage. If the man loves his wife like Christ loved the church and if she honors him. Now, you're not going to have too many problems in that. Make God, God preeminent, and that's going to be a good marriage. That's what we all really just need to keep it real simple, kind of go, go for that. And I'll give you a real simple uh, answer. Our old pastor used to say it to us. Stay close to God. Stay close to one another. It's very simple. Terry Moore, that's Terry Moore 101. Stay close to God. Stay close to one another. That's all you need. Wives have to feel safe emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And what that means is that rough treatment is not, that's not even in, it's not even in the ballgame. They need to be cherished and loved. They're not... They're a flower, not a cucklebur, okay? You know? So we, some of us are kind of, it's a sticker, it's this big sticker. And some of us are, uh, you know, a little rougher around the edges. But when it comes to treating your mate, we need to make sure that we, um, that we really treat them like the Lord sees them. He said she's pure and spotless bride. And, you know, you, you, you got to kind of take that seriously. Uh, but if she feels safe, if she's loved, if she knows that you're for or not against her, if you're not constantly striving to rule her, over her, and, and uh, if you're not, you know, trying to get power over all the time. Because, you know, that makes a woman sick. Did you know that? You get all kinds of diseases, autoimmune diseases, diseases and all of that from ruling over the woman and suppressing her, and she can't even speak, and she's got to walk around the house on eggshells. It doesn't work. Uh, we, we are called, both of us, to live in the fullness. And that's what you want to do there. It's up Amen. to you. Amen. You want to do some questions? Let's do it. Are you all good? We're going to answer some of your questions now. All right, family. These are your questions in my hot little hand. This is fun, huh? This is a good opportunity. In my five years here, I don't remember us ever asking you questions before. <laughs> I think he's in a better place. <clears throat> All right. The first question is, <clears throat> why do you think there's such a high rate of divorce in the church? I'll take it. I think, that's, uh, I think that is the question right there. Why do, we, why do we have such a high rate of divorce in the church? I think going into it, you have to, um, if you're in a Christian marriage, you really need to understand that it's it's not an option we're submitted to god you know it's like well would i go rob a bank no but i would have a divorce and this is not shame condemnation i've had two of them i've already confessed that so what is it we need to be submitted to god's ways his ways are love your wife honor your husband 
and let him be that, that cord that's not easily broken. And as long as both parties are willing to submit to the authority of the Lord in their lives, there's really nothing you can't overcome. Now, if one party decides not to do that, it's going to make the whole thing spiral out of control. But um, anyway, you want to follow up? I, I believe it's, it's an orphan spirit. I think it's, it's, it comes from the condition of this generation of being fatherless and not knowing who we are in the Lord. And I, I believe that a lot of the teachings about marriage um, have been slightly off, really trying to suppress the voice of women um, and men um, being more lording over them and, and putting their thumb on them. So I think when you allow both parties to completely flourish in what they've been called to do, then I think you'll see that come down. Because both of them, when, you're, when you are in the destiny that God's created you to be, so much more in your heart comes alive. But when you're suppressed, what it does is it shuts down your voice. And if anybody's ever had their voice shut down, you understand the torment and what that's like. Um, so, I, you know, and I, I would like to see more of this going on in the marriage, uh, you know, in the church so that we can really talk about uh, that. And, but also, I believe um, seeking help before it gets to the point where you, you, your love is gone. I think we have to be proactive in pursuing love all the time. And we have to fight for love Instead of just saying, oh, well, I'm just going to live my own life. I think uh, that speaks to the humility, you know, and Christ showed us that, and the Holy Spirit tells us too. But if pride rises up, that says, I don't need a marriage counselor to help me. If pride rises up, we're not going to go to that couple's group because I don't want to, it's none of their business what we do at our house, you know. That's pride speaking. So if you hear that kind of thing kind of coming up in you, it's like, wait a minute, no, start over. Let's get back to what the Lord yeah. says. We should be the most in love people on the earth. Yeah. And we should be witnessing to everybody around us what strength and love looks like in a marriage. Yeah. And so if you're not experiencing that, there you, then, then there sh you need to either get deliverance. You know, if it's you or if it's your mate, go through um, Luke 418 here. Yeah. And get some deliverance, get some counseling, get some help. Because each one of us should be living at the very pinnacle of love and joy and freedom and happiness in our marriages. One follow-up is, is, is two, is if your marriage is not working, um, you just need to get your mate fixed. <laughs> get him some counseling, get him some, no. If the marriage is not working, who do you think we ought to start on? There are only three of us in the deal, right? God's okay. He's got his part down. So we've got, we've got to start working on us, guys. And yeah. a lot of times, sure, there'll be something really blatant that you could get anybody to agree your, your mate's doing that's not right. But if we start with us, what'll happen? You'll end up um, really bringing the thing around. And the other person's more receptive to work on themselves when they say you, see you making the effort. Good. All right, these are on a lot of good subjects, guys. A lot of um, 
Awesome stuff here. Okay. Is it okay to allow someone to pursue you even when you haven't heard from the Lord that he is your husband? In other, wait, in other words, in other words, is it okay to allow it and in, and it end up not being for one another? Does that make sense? Guys, I'm telling you, take a chance on love. A lot of times what we want to do is we want to put intimacy, we have a fear of intimacy, and so we wait until, you know, like a brick falls out of the sky or, oh, God, I need a sign. No, if you like the person, if, you know, this person, if, if there's an interest there, go out with them. Jeremy Shuck said something one time about this particular subject. He said, I don't want my wife to have had to heard from God in order to marry me. I want her to be so jazzed about me that she's just like, I can't quit thinking about that guy. The chemistry, everything is there. And she's just like, I have so much desire. So if you're interested, if you, if, if there's, you know, go for it. Go for it. God will so talk the, to you along <clears throat> the way. Excuse me, honey. The, the uh, laws of... <laughs> What'd you say? He'll, he'll go for a long way? God will, God will tell you along the way. Guys, I hunt turkeys. What? And when you hunt turkeys in the spring, you know what they do? <laughs> turkeys do this dance of spring. And they run out there and they fan out. And they put on this huge show, and the hen's over there like, whatever. And, you know, he keeps trying to get in front of her and calling to her and wooing her, and his, all these feathers are like, he makes himself huge, and he's got, the, you know, all the colors and everything. I mean, he puts on this amazing show. And then a couple of times run by, and he beats them up in front of her. Here's the thing. You know, it's important how do you think God tells you whether that's your mate or not? How do you think he tells that hen? I mean, he built this. He put this in you, right? So when you see that, you know, that beautiful person, I mean, you see, beautiful to you, I mean, go for it, dude. I mean, unless there's some major flaw there that you're looking at, I mean, which, you know what I mean, don't, there's... If there's yeah, some, no, no I'm it, just you saying. It. You had it with the turkey. No. I'm just saying it, you know. Dude, I'm just talking about stuff like, you know, if you're getting your palm red and you think she's cute, that's probably not good. Let's don't, let's move on out of there, okay? All right, that's the blessing to pursue. Amen. Turkey. All right, moving on to a different subject. Do you allow Samuel to watch you fight? Why or why not? Let me take it. Uh, we don't believe in, in fighting in front of Samuel. Uh, we, but we do, as far as fighting, I don't, know what, I don't know where the line's drawn there as far as fighting versus having discussions. We have lots of discussions in front of Samuel, with Samuel in the car, or, you know, in, in our home. Um, I, think it, I think it matters how you fight. And I think it's important for him to see uh, conflict resolution at 12 years old. So um, we're not afraid to, we're not afraid to uh, be a family and be vulnerable and open with Samuel uh, around us. Uh, but but I think also you've got to, you know, you if you're going to do that, you got to make sure that you act like godly parents and not t- 
take it so far that you're uh, that you could actually damage the child where he wouldn't want to be married or he, it would cause scars in him. So yeah. the answer is yes, we do. And, uh, and, you know, there are some subjects we wouldn't discuss, like about one of the other children or something like that, if we were having a disagreement on. We don't really fight that often, honestly. Well, one we of us uh, doesn't. Well, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, that's a joke. That's a teasing. I'm teasing. No, I mean, it's just kind of weird. We don't really fight that no, often because it never really gets to that. Because we're kind of, you kind of go all the way through the process of it. And a lot of times we'll take things to prayer. You know, we're a house of prayer, so we pray a lot. And a lot of that stuff gets worked out and God goes, you know what? You're wrong about that. You know, 100% of it will, I'm just going to tell you this confession. 100% of the time, 100% of the time, if we can get past our disagreement and go to prayer and hold hands and pray, it immediately gets fixed. Yeah. Immediately. Even if we don't agree. But it's the pride that has you wait 20 minutes before you do that, you know, that, that's bad. Yeah. First one to the cross wins. That's not my quote, but it's a good quote. Um, that's, that's a real Therese good Engel live your life said by. That. Therese Engel. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, you may have touched on this a little. This question is, it says, please describe a time when ministry led to tension in your marriage and how you overcame it. You can do it. Go ahead. Oh, my gosh. This was so hard. Okay. I take back what I just said about not fighting. <laughs> this was really difficult, um, trying to work out ministry and marriage. Because John and I are husband and wife at home and in the marriage. But yet in the ministry, we are we're, we're peers and he's still the covering, but it's a different relationship. It's a working relationship. Ultimately, my uh, my main f- uh, function is is oversight. I'm the papa, but I'm I mainly run Remnant Church, and she mainly runs ministry, the ministry itself, the House of Prayer. Y'all get that? The ones that are here all the time. So it is important to have the men involved. But I still work full time, right? So I'm not here every day. I think it's that. Helping to pastor yeah. that. Yeah. Well, so we we there. Like I said, there are no real role models out there. There are role models, but it's it's one where you've got a really strong woman, and she's totally shut her husband down. You know, and her kids never see her, and da 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 da. And we're like, we don't want that. We want to be able to do family and have a strong marriage. And so, you know, it's the the ministry is not more important than the marriage. And, and so our role, we'll kind of sometimes have to say, is this a husband-wife discussion or is this a ministry discussion? And, and in the beginning, we had to do had that. a lot more of that, Like, yeah. okay, wait, this is, this is a family thing. And so we had to separate the two. And now we just have kind of learned how to flow in it. And so it, it's not really a problem. Does that answer the question? Does it? Yes. So we just know our roles, you know, to... We discuss a lot. I think it helps a lot. You know, over time, guys, you got to remember how this thing started. I mean, you know, we weren't professional Levites, you know, that came into here. So we were trying to figure it all out on the fly, and it just took a lot of prayer and, and you know, just, just hearing from the Lord, what do we do next? But defining what the Haas was going to be helped us to define what our roles were going to be. And, I mean, the Lord's been so good. John has such a huge heart. And he is so for me that, I mean, he's my, he's my biggest fan. 
And he just says to me all the time, baby, I just want you to run as high and as far and as wide as you can go. I'm behind you. So, I mean, I've just got that. And so there's this thing going on between the two of us where there's so much grace if we make mistakes, you know, where it's like, oh, wow, that was really bad that I did that or said that or came out from under your covering. I'm so sorry. And so we've just learned how to navigate it. Okay, it's good. I remember when I first saw John and Tracy, this is a free comment, I have to say this. We were at Sojourn, and I had just met them, and I had had a couple conversations with Tracy enough to know she was very, you know, strong-willed. Well, in my life, I had only known relationships to the extremes. Like, I only knew in marriages that look like a very strong, domineering woman and a really mousy man, or the opposite, really domineering man and a really, you know, mousy woman. And I remember when I, I had seen them and met Tracy, when I saw John, I was sitting in the back of Sojourn, and I was looking at them, and I was thinking to myself, he must be, you know, oh, he must just be the nice, you know, whatever guy, just kind of, mousy's not the right word, but, you know, kind of the softer guy. And when I met them and got to know them, I was like, this couple is such a good example of the bride of Christ, because they're both so strong. It's like equality, you know, both very equal in, in their identity and knowing who they are, and it's just an awesome example. Don't you guys agree? Yes. Two very strong, awesome individuals that make it work. How about that, buddy? All right, so that's just free. Sorry, I just had to say that as I was watching you. Okay, what are some keys to a successful blended family? I really have to jump in on that. The, the thing about blended families, the, the world tells you that a woman that has children has baggage. And baggage is, that's bull, okay? A blended family, anybody that really thinks this through, if you have a blended family, then you not only get the woman, but you get her children. You get Ashley and Madison, and now all the grandchildren. And so what the, the most important thing, I think, is to get your, really get your perspective right. I cannot tell you how much I've been blessed by her children. You know they're not her children. They're my children, too, right? Yeah. So, we don't have yours, mine, and ours. No. We have ours. They're, they're a blessing. The Lord says that children are like arrows in your quiver. They're a blessing of the Lord. If you don't feel that way, then we need to talk about it. We need to... Get you feeling that way before you enter, enter into the blended relationship. Yeah, um, and, and for women, you know, uh, I had a lot of men tell me um, some horrible things about why they didn't want to marry a woman with children. But I can tell you that um, when we got together, it was our children that got us together. Right. And um, we all knew each other, and we were all friends. And they all his kids were always at my house. And so they were mine before we were even married. And I loved his children, and I loved them as my own. I don't see, they call me mom. It's, there's no, there's none of that that goes on. And when there is, you know, we just pinch their heads off and tell them to stop acting So one time was defining in this, I'll show you how loving we are, really, because now we're, you know, obviously very loving after <laughs> those statements. So our kids came to us, and they were complaining, well, you love them more than us, and you love her, you know, Tracy's kids more than you love us, and you love them. And we said, guys, 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 everybody sit down. We don't like any of you. 
All right? So shut it's up and equal. go clean your rooms. I mean, that's literally, we had that no, conversation one night. We're like, we don't like any of you. a newborn at one time. Yeah. And by the way, the one of you that's the nicest to us gets to go to college. That's right. That's exactly what we told them. Yeah. They're all like, oh, they just went away. I don't yeah. know what happened. You just, you know, it was just the grace of God, honestly, because we look back and we think, how did How'd we, we get do that? that? I don't know. Okay, it's 9.30, so we're just going to do a couple more. Does God choose our mate? Does he match people up? Oh, and how do you know it's a match made from heaven? How do you know God sent them? Four questions in one. Go. Yes. You know, I used to ask my mother this question all the time. How do you know when it's love? How do you know it's the right one? And she told me a very wise answer. Good, Are you ready? Good answer. Drum roll. You just know. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't help me. You know, th- this question is the age-old question, but it's one of those things that, um, to use Tom Cruise's words, you complete me. <laughs> you meet someone that just hits on all cylinders. And you can't quit smiling, and your heart has just come alive being around him. And for a woman, it's that guy that actually not only listens to you, but he actually hears you. And it's not, we're not saying perfection either. Yeah. Uh, that you, I mean, you obviously, no matter who you're in relationship with, there are, there are going to be things about them that are not, you know, they're, they're not all, you know, six foot tall, blonde, and in a, in a magazine, right, guys? So there's, there are going to be things, no matter what, that you see, but it's not, oh, that's not going to work for me because she's not perfect. It's like, I love her just like she is. Right. And that's going to be a big difference right. uh, guys, for you and for them. Right, guys, don't be shallow how. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay, give us a couple okay, more quick answers. Okay, wait a minute. By the way, I do want to say this. I do believe that God has yes. someone for all of us. And I also believe that if you're prayerful, you're not going to miss God. God is more able to lead you than you are to follow him. So you don't have to worry about not about missing your mate or your mate passing you by. I mean, good grief. He can put mountains into the sea. And final answer, your ask your daddy. Yeah, he'll know. And your family will tell you. Your, be your like, family, your daddy will tell you whether he's right for you or not. He really will. You've got a godly daddy. Oh, one more thing. God does pick your mate. Yes, I believe right. that. I believe he tells you internally. He's going to tell you in very many ways and confirm that that's your husband and wife. Am I right? You too? Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Next question. What do you wish you would have talked about or done differently before you got married? <clears throat> I'll do it. Uh, I believe that... We That's have, for next Thursday. No, we have had um, we have had the privilege of doing a lot of premarital counseling with a lot of couples, and um, so we've seen everything and you know, and and everything in between. We've seen it where people uh, did everything literally almost perfectly and uh, according to the words of God, and we've seen it where it was different. We were the different. Uh, we were. Again, confessing Christians, but we didn't do everything the way we should have uh, at that point. And I don't feel condemned today. I I was saved. I was. But I wasn't walking in purity. I wasn't walking in everything that that I should have been walking in at the time. So there were, I I think that if, uh, no question, if I had it to do all over again, I would have been, um, 
I would have covered her more. I would have been, um, you know, more, uh, what do you say, honoring and more, um, I don't know, just made it my top priority to make sure that I did it God's way in every way. Well, I didn't, I wasn't living that, that uh, deep of life at the time, so I didn't do all of that. So that's something I'll I would have done I'll give the different. short version. I would have, I would have, if I had it to do ever again, I would have met John when I was younger. That's a and much I better answer. I, I regret not having, you know, as women, you know, you get a little older. I, I wish that I would have given him my youthful beauty. I wish that would have been for him. So. You can make it up in years. <laughs> How's that? Okay, so for a single woman, what does it mean to guard your heart? Well, I'll tell, you, um, I'll tell you a story, a very quick story. Um, my daughter, um, one of my daughters was in a, several friendlationships, and there were all these guys. She was up at IHOP, and all these guys were going out with her and taking her, not taking her out on a date, but they're all just hanging out together, right? And um, so she had, with one of them, they were spending all of their time together, I mean, every day, hanging out, doing stuff together. And finally, after a year, of course, she didn't listen to my advice. But after a year, she had to uh, define the relationship. What are you doing here? You know, are, are we, get, where are we going? What is this all about? And he said, well, I really just see you as a friend. And, um, he, and she said, well, then, you know, we're not going to be able to hang out anymore. And he didn't understand that. And she said, you know, you, you don't get to have my heart in this way. My heart in this way is reserved for my husband. And if I give it to you, then I'm not reserving it for him. And so I think guarding your heart is just knowing that, you know, it's okay to let the walls down to see what's going on, but, but really keeping your heart close to you so that it's only there for for your husband. It's interesting side that right after she defined that relationship, it wasn't any time at all till the Lord brought her husband, and and the Lord did bring him. It was He's, like the next month. He is her husband. Should have been. I mean, it's the right person for her. The other one wasn't. Sometimes the um, you know the Ishmael comes right before before the Isaac right. Got one. Yeah. How do wives submit when husbands don't lead from God's covering? Uh, simple. They just submit. You know, the hardest thing um, I think that I've talked, a lot of women have said, you know, my husband's not the spiritual head. He's not da 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 all of this. They give me the long list of everything he's not doing. And I usually say to them, well, he's working. You're praying all the time, and you're going to all the Christian conferences, and da da you know, he's providing a lifestyle that you can do that and you can grow. And I just tell them, you need to start praying for him and you need to start prophesying over him. And you need to honor him so that he'll grow into everything that he's called to grow into. We don't all go, uh, you know, zero to 60 in 30 seconds. Tracy did. She went from literally coming in late and we only went to church because they had that Starbucks coffee. Man, that was so good. <laughs> and then we'd slip out a little early. But seriously, she went from that, that, you know, 
going to church, punching the card and all of that, to tongue-talking, blowing a shofar in about 30 minutes. It was just crazy. <laughs> and so, and I didn't go up like that, right? This is happening to my wife right in front of me. I'm open. I mean, I know the Lord. I'm, I'm moving in the direction, but I'm the slower route, you know? She's the Ferrari, and I'm riding the camel, you know? I'm just like, <laughs> you know? So that was really hard because, honestly, uh, I, was, I was challenged all the time by her. It was like, you know, she's like going off here and going off there. I mean, just in the love with the Lord and read 12 books. And I'm like, dude, you know, I'm still back here and, you know, Matthew, I'm trying to get through. So it, it, but I'm, I'm steady, but we're, and now we're starting to get closer, but she still challenges me. She's in the prayer room all the time. She'll come, you know, what's your words? And I'm like, oh, I know I need to remember because we're, we're, we'll start on, like right now, we're on words, man. I mean, we are on everything that comes out of our mouth. Is it positive? Is it speaking life? Is it, you know, the rudder of the ship, right? So just, but we do stuff like that all the time. But I just got to say, uh, women, please be patient with your husbands. They are working. Maybe they don't come as fast. Or maybe your wife doesn't come along as fast. We're all on a journey. Grace, grace. The, you know, the very best thing that I can tell you is just have fun. Have fun with the man that God gave you. There you go. And stop looking at, you know, well, he's not quite spiritual enough. He'll get there. He'll get there. We're all going to get there. But the most important thing is go out on a date. Come on. Have him, have him do your dishes. Go out on a date. Repair your car for you. And, hey, the rest is history, right, girls? Got a brand new set of Goodyear tires going on for you, baby. I know it. I know it. I have no idea what Thank that y'all meant. for staying with yeah. us on all this. Um, yeah, we want to. Um, we love you guys. If any of you want to talk about anything, we'd be happy or pray about anything, we'd be happy to meet with you up here at the front. Mm-hmm.